I'm back, and so is the sports pen. Tanner Hoops with you Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Had a little bit of the flu bug, what have you. Kept me under the weather last couple of days. Out Tuesday, Wednesday, back Thursday, along with the sports pen. You know who else is back on Thursdays, per usual, is Jake Duran of Local 3. Unfortunately, Jake couldn't be with us in studio today. He does join us now, though, on the ESPN-UP phone line. He's just that committed to doing the show with us, and we appreciate him for it. What's up, Jake? Oh, no. Jake, you did it, man. Jake, no. Well, we'll get him back. We'll get him back here in a moment. We'll get things figured out. Jake Duran of Local 3 is going to join us here in the sports pen here in just a few moments, and uh, we'll get his take throughout the show. But, man, wouldn't you know what that happens? The phone line drops as we hit the air. Isn't that the most, I don't know, I don't know if you can make a comparison for that. We do have a lot to get to, though, over the course of next hour. We've got some football, some breaking news on the NFL side of things, what have you. Uh, at least we think there's going to be breaking news with Jeff Darlington. Um, now Jake just texted me. I think I lost you. Yes, you did, Jake. Uh, call back. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jeff Darlington reports that there is possible breaking news uh, regarding Tom Brady and what his future could be, or at least... We don't know that it's news yet. Jeff Darlington is leading us to believe that it is going to turn into something, can turn into news here in the near future, and it's going to be something that is certainly pertinent to the football world. We've got a lot of basketball to get to. We've got some of the young guns. Which guy would you choose to build your franchise around? Uh, let's see. Do we have Jake again? Jake, do we have you now? Hello. Hey, what's yeah. up, man? Good to have you. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I just lost connection. So. That would just pick the darndest time to do it. Right as I intro you, we start getting the dome tiles, uh, the the uh, tone dials. How about that? We're off to a flying start here, Jake. Hey, hey, it's, hey. We got to just you know take it how it comes. You got to learn to just kind of go with the flow. So that's what we'll do today. Hey, well, I appreciate you being here nonetheless. I was just saying, I was teasing that we've got a lot to get into today. We've got the Jeff Darlington report on Tom Brady. We've got a lot of basketball to get into, both at the NBA and at the college level, the NFL Combine, the Underwear Olympics, and the new CBA, what have you. All that more to get into over the course of next hour. First and foremost, though, Jake, as you and I both know, and really anyone who's in sports media right now knows, that this is one of the busiest times of the year, and it's just not a time you can afford to have the illness, the flu bug. You've got tournaments, postseason, what have you, starting up. First of all, it's Tech Week. It's Beat Tech Week because tonight, Northern Michigan basketball teams will welcome arch-rival Michigan Tech. Tomorrow, home hockey with Tech, and then Saturday, we're up there for the back end of that home-and-home home series. Girls' districts in the high school tournament will start next week, and then the boys the following week. So, man... First and foremost, where are you going to be tonight here in the upcoming days? Well, tonight, uh, you know, I've, I've been following high school basketball extremely close, obviously with our sports zone show and things like that. But tonight I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to actually head to the Barry Event Center to watch uh, or take in, I guess, the, the NMU men's and women's basketball games against Michigan Tech. I'm actually going to be going live from the Barry Event Center. So mm. if you're sitting at home uh, tonight around 6.15-ish and want to tune into Local 3, um, check it out. I'll have some insight. Um, it's it's a huge game, obviously for for the Northern Michigan men's team. It's it's very simple, you know. If they win, they're pretty likely to be into the postseason tournament, the GLIAC tournament there. And then if they lose, obviously, it's not going to be looking too great for their chances um, to get into that postseason tournament. And and you're going up against your biggest rival, Michigan Tech. You know, the last time they met in mid-December, obviously, um, that produced maybe the greatest uh, 
moment in the season or for the season for NMU, that Marcus Matelski three-pointer at the buzzer up there in Houghton. So, you know, there's a lot uh, riding in the in the men's game, obviously. And then, obviously, we got two really good women's teams squaring off. Obviously, the intensity is going to be there for for the Michigan Tech uh, and Northern Michigan women's teams as well. So I'm looking forward to just getting out to the Barry Event Center, seeing these teams play, seeing this rivalry matchup. And um, just like taking in some good basketball, I was I was able to take in the the Grand Valley State game last week, and that was a great game. The men's the men's game went into double overtime. Obviously, NMU falling in that one, unfortunately. And then they played into overtime on Saturday. The NMU men did against Davenport. So I mean, um, you can't ask for anything better. It's great entertainment, and I'm just looking forward to to watching some good basketball tonight. Well, we know that the women are going to the uh, GLIAC tournament starting next week. They've already clinched it. Right now, if the season ended prior to tip-off of tonight's game, they would be the five seed. The men right now would get in as the eight seed. But again, they win, and they would get themselves off the bubble tonight. If they lose, they're going to need some help. What's the biggest thing you're going to be watching for as a media member, Jake? What's the biggest thing that's going to be on your mind? For NMU, I think it's they've always they've struggled, not always, but just this season in general, they have struggled producing offense at home, and it's it's not really something you see with college basketball teams normally. You know, playing at home in front of your home crowd, uh, that kind of bodes well, and you kind of can get into an offensive rhythm. They've been better as of late, but you know, you and I, we we tend to, you know, we obviously we go to the enemy press conferences every Tuesday, and it seemed like for several weeks in a row, Matt Mackerzak was talking about how they struggled shooting at home. I'm not really sure why, but it's definitely something that that we're going to have to keep an eye on because obviously you know with Michigan Tech they have just some sharpshooters out there. Kyle Monroe is obviously a a top player in the GLIAC. You got Dawson Bilski, the former North Central Jet. He's just a sharpshooter, deadly. So they can definitely really uh, produce offense. The, the Huskies can. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if Michigan Tech can keep up with scoring. Obviously they were able to do it in their first matchup, but they had a lot of guys play very very well. I know. Um, Delapa Olienka played really well in that first meeting. Um, he's going to have to have another big night, um, scoring the ball, you know, rebounding and things like that. Um, and and it's who's going to step up and be that go-to scorer. NMU has five guys in their starting lineup that can hit double digits, but I think they're going to need somebody to step up and take it to that next level. I think obviously NMU seniors are going to be huge, the Sam Taylors, the Miles Howards, and um, just trying to contain a very lethal Michigan Tech uh, backcourt and frontcourt. So I'm just interested to see on the NMU side if they can um, put it together and play a very balanced game on both offense and defense. Well, Jake, on the women's side of things, again, they've already clinched a berth into the GLIAC tournament, as has Michigan Tech. Last time they met up at Houghton a couple of months ago, about everything went wrong that could for Northern in that game, losing 68-28. to We don't expect it to be anything near that uh, kind of lopsidedness tonight, although this team, I mean, it's I know it's cliche with teams around this time of the year, but when we talk about a team getting decimated by injuries, it's hard to think of one in any kind of recent memory that has dealt with that more than Northern has thus far this year. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate, and it seemed like in the, just in the past couple of years, you know, whether it be, um, you know, some of their vets going down with, with you know, season-ending injuries and things like that, they've they've really had to kind of fight through some adversity, and um, it's it's no different this year. Obviously, Troy Matson, the head coach for the NMU women's basketball team, has stated many times that, you know, they're trying to, you know, figure something out to get through all these injuries, and, and they're really relying on a lot of younger players. And I think what bodes well for the Wildcats is last week, 
Um, like I said, I was there on Thursday night. Uh, there was some young players that stepped up, um, specifically Amber Hubner, the former Marquette Redette. Um, she's looking, or Troy's kind of relying on her to to carry you know some of those minutes that that need to be played because of some injuries. And she really played well last weekend. Um, Troy mentioned it at the press conference. He was very he thought he thought Amber. Uh, put together her best two-game stint, her best weekend all season, and they're going to need younger players to step up. We know NMU, they have Jessica Schultz. She's played unbelievable all season. She's been that senior leader that this young younger team needs, but um, on the perimeter, again, it's similar to the men. They need to find ways to get the ball into the bucket, and they're going to need somebody to step up like an Amber Hubner, um, you know, or, or something like, or somebody like that to where, you know, they can kind of carry that scoring load and, and take the pressure off Jessica. Jessica's going to do what she does. Um, she's she's a mismatch down on the block, but they need to have to find some balance. And, and the, their defense is going to be there. They've been an unbelievable defensive team all year. I don't expect that to change tonight against, you know, a Michigan Tech team that has, you know, some really good weapons and, and a lot of people that can score. But I think, again, offensively with the, with the Wildcats, it's, it's how do we find scoring, where is the scoring going to come from, and then defensively I think they're going to be able to take care of business. And, and I don't think they're going to, you know, lose a lot on that end. Troy Matson always gets his players to play defense. They're always motivated on that, on that side, but it's who's going to shoot the ball and who's going to get into a rhythm and, and help them score the ball. It is Beat Tech Week here at NMU and around Marquette, what have you. We have basketball tonight and then hockey with their home-and-home series beginning tomorrow. Don't forget to check out Local 3 tonight and watch Jake as he joins us on the ESPN-UP phone line. He'll be going live from the arena. What about 6.15, did you say, Jake? Yeah, it's going to be around 6.15. Um, I'm, I'm, I, last week I, I went live on, on Thursday, and it was around halftime. So we'll, we'll give you a little update on what's going on with the game and, and kind of give a little backstory. We'll hear from Kevin Luke, the head coach for the men's team, and obviously Matt Makerzak from um, the uh, NMU men's basketball team, Kevin Luke from the Michigan Tech men's basketball team. And we'll kind of get their take on their mindset heading into the game and then obviously um, – just giving an update on where we at and where we're at in the game. The game tips off around 5:30, so I'm I'm thinking we'll be around halftime at the time uh, we go live for for the local three show. Be sure to check it out on local three this evening. Hey, by the way, before we get to a break, I've got a little college football news that's pertinent to us up here. Jake, you remember a few weeks ago, Mel Tucker was hired by Michigan State as their new football head coach, and people are kind of like. Uh, you know, it's, it was kind of uninspiring. Well, he's putting his staff together, and he's got his new defensive coordinator. If you look at him, uh, Scotty Hazelton is his name. I mean, if you have the chance, Google image him right now, and he looks like Yukon Jack. I mean, he really does. He's got the long gray beard, what have you. Most people, I'm sure, wondering, who is Scotty Hazelton? If you need to know about him, he was born December 19th, 1973, played linebacker at Fort Lewis College, a D2 school in Colorado, He's been coaching every year since 1996. He did have one stop here in the UP. He was the linebacker coach for one season at Michigan Tech. That was back in 2006. And uh, from 2014 to 2016, he had a stop in the NFL as the assistant linebacker coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Since then, he's been the defensive coordinator at Wyoming and then this past season at Kansas State. So Mel Tucker continues to round out his staff with a guy who might have more of a personality or be more of an interesting, more compelling character than the head coach is with Scotty Hazelton coming to Michigan State. First of all, Jake, have you ever heard of Scotty Hazelton or what is how does this affect you as a as a Michigan fan? Like this is your big rival. This is who they hire to uh gear their defense up. I mean, what does that make you feel as a Wolverine fan? 
it doesn't really move the needle for me. I have I don't really know too much about the guy. Um, I just gave you his bio. Right. Well, <laughs> other than that, I haven't really seen you know the teams he kind of has controlled or anything like that. Um, so I, I basically all I know is what you just told me. It, obviously, with his experience, he's got some NFL experience. He's got some college experience, and you know, college kids anytime they 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 know you were in the NFL or have that NFL experience, they're obviously going to respect you and things like that. So um, Mel Tucker, I think it was, a, it was a great hire for the situation that the Spartans were put in um, with, obviously, the departure of their head coach there suddenly. But um, I'm not worried about Michigan State. I'm sorry. I know there's Spartan fans listening right now. And, you know, they've gotten the best of us in a few years. But um, I think they're entering kind of kind of a down year. I'm a, you know, they're – the program's kind of in flux a little bit. Um, do I think that that hire is going to move the needle? I don't. Uh, obviously, he has some experience, been coaching for a long time. I think he's going to help, obviously, that coaching staff and the kids there. But as a Michigan fan, I'm not really worried about. I'm not worried about Michigan State coming up. I'm more worried about Ohio State. We have to beat Ohio State. Um, otherwise, Michigan, their program might be in a similar situation as Michigan State uh, this off season, where we're looking for a new head coach and things like that. If for some reason John Harbaugh decides maybe it is time to, you know, move on and, and do something else, so we'll see. But for me, as a Michigan fan, ever since you know, obviously uh, Mark D'Antonio leaving, um, right now I'm just not really worried about him. I'm not on the radar. Maybe Mel Tucker comes in and does a great job, and and they don't really lose a beat, and he can get those recruits coming in. But it's going to be a process. I don't see Michigan State being where they've been at um, these last few years uh, prior to uh, these couple down years. So. As a Michigan fan, sorry, Spartan fans. I feel like we're kind of in the, leading the race. I could be eating these words here next fall, but but right now I'm more focused on on teams like Ohio State and things like that. So, have you Google image Scotty Hazelton yet? I'm looking at no, him right now, and he is just like Uper, uh, I'm sorry, Yukon Jack. And I'm not talking about the whiskey. I mean, like the actual character Yukon Jack. I mean, this guy is just perfect for Michigan. He'd be perfect for the UP to come up here. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, love him. I do. You know, hey, that's the style, man. It's kind of that, you know, that that's what's in. I unfortunately can't. Well, I, you know, my hair is a little gets a little curly when it's long. I'm not growing <laughs> out my hair. I don't have a. I can't grow a beard. I literally just can't grow a beard. So, unfortunately, um, I kind of, I, I, I'm jealous of guys who who, who are able to do that. So, um, he, I mean, he has the looks. Hopefully, uh, his coaching it lives up to that. We'll see. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk about a report from Jeff Darlington and his future regarding uh, Tom Brady, what his reaction would be with Tom Brady's future next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're along as always. Jake joins us on the ESPN UP phone line, kind enough to give us some time and give us his perspective on what's going on here in the wide world of sports. We've got football to talk about, a report from Jeff uh, Darlington coming out today, plus the Underwear Olympics, NFL Combine. First and foremost, Jake, I know you're a big football junkie. Even in the offseason, you've become a diehard for the XFL's L.A. Wildcats just because you love yeah. football. Do you pay much attention to the Combine? Do you care about it at all? Oh, I'm a huge combine. Are you guy. really? Um, huge. I, I've looked into many of these prospects. Obviously, um, I'm looking into these prospects because of, you know, I'm, my Packer fandom. I'm, I'm looking into who can Green Bay grab. You know, who who works in their system and things, and things.
things like that. I love. I'll, I'll sit in front of my TV and, and watch the the quote underwear Olympics, and and I just like to see guys perform, man. I like to to picture guys going to different teams and and trying to predict where guys are going to end up. I love seeing guys come in and and really you know kill their workouts and and move their way up draft boards and and make money. You know, this is a a huge day for these prospects. Something they've they've been working towards their whole lives and. And a good performance can can really shift where you're drafted, which means more money, or or goes the other way. A bad performance means less money. So it's kind of reality television in a way. And and when you kind of realize just how much is on the line for these athletes coming in here, and how much pressure is on them to perform. I mean, you only get so many times at running a forty. Um, you know, you mess up. You that you know, a few milliseconds, a few seconds can really could really mean a lot to to where how much money you're going to make and things like that. So I'm I'm just a huge football guy just it's it's my favorite sport i never stop you know caring about the nfl I'm, I'm you know once the playoffs are over i'm right into draft boards right into mock drafts and it's the workouts and then it's kind of you know re re-evaluating where people are going to go then it's kind of the anticipation of the draft and then it's training camps and things like that so i'm never not paying attention to the nfl well, Jake, you look at some of the draft picks that we'd have early on, and right now I think there's kind of a consensus the top three picks will be Joe Burrow, Chase Young, and probably Tua Tungavailoa, depending what the Lions want to do at number three. And those guys are all starting to start a new trend, maybe, that they aren't going to participate in the NFL Combine, mostly because they had such stellar college careers. Can they really do anything in the NFL Combine to make teams uh, want like them you know be more impressed with them than they would be honestly they would be giving them uh an extra opportunity to give teams a reason not to draft them you know to to mess up or something when they're out there it really they could just say we're not going to do any of your skills test or compete we're just going to be there for the medical q a maybe do some strength tests what have you but we don't need to go prove what we're made of what we can do on the field for you we proved that in college basically for those guys and i think this could be a trend that we see more and more in the future a lot of these guys are just going to go there not participate because they don't want to give anybody a reason not to draft them that high right um and, and yeah as a, as a football fan obviously i would love to see you know chase young run and do all this thing do all these other drills and and I think he's doing a, a, a few of the skills drills, but obviously he's not going to be running a 40 or anything like that. Um, I think there is definitely a cutoff point. Um, you know, if you're a top player at your position coming out of college and you're you're looked at as the top player, like a Chase Young on on, on defense, um, like you said, there's really no reason to go out there and and mess it up. You already are projected as a top pick. Um, you know, your tape is speaking for itself. Um, you're pretty much set. Like you said, obviously me- the mental aspect is huge, and, and the prospects are still going to go to the combine to talk to teams, build those relationships, and, and just get to know teams and, and where they stand with organizations. Um, you know, I think the combine's more for the, the guys right on the bubble, you know, the guys that are maybe projected just into the first round, guys who are trying to work their way up from the third round into the second round. Um, or you know, just making or the smaller school guys where your name's not out there as much, and and you don't have uh, as much tape, or you know, you didn't have as many nationally televised games. Um, this is really where where the combine is uh, kind of suited for. So, as much as I I wish to see a guy like Chase Young, you know, come out and perform, you know, he he pretty much has has done what he needed to do. He he plays played well at one of the biggest programs in all of college uh, football. 
and he's played at a high level. So it, it, as, as a football fan, I'd love to see some of these top-tier guys come out and, and perform and, and just kind of show what they have. But, but at the same time, you know, you got to do what's best for you, and, and a lot of these top prospects have a team around them at this point who are telling them or trying to guide them in the right direction. And, and really, if I'm a top prospect and I'm, I'm projected to go top five and, and it's pretty much a guarantee or I'm looked at as the best prospect in the draft, I mean, I'm not going to go out there and, and risk injury or, like you said, um, you know, maybe not perform as well as, as maybe people are thinking I'm going to and, and hurt my stock or put any doubt in teams' minds on why I shouldn't be as picked as high as I as I want to be so I think it's for a certain player it's a good you know it's something that that can be done but for the most part you've got guys who are just trying to prove themselves still and and I think that's where um I'm most interested to see like I'm good I'm good on you know Joe, Joe Burrow like I we know what Joe Burrow is I'm good on Chase Young um even a guy like you know Jeff Okuda like he really doesn't have to do much for me I already know how good he is um but it's those guys like maybe El Christian Fulton who who there's questions on his his speed or something like that or or um, guys like that you know what I mean Justin Herbert should probably go out there and and, and make people realize hey I'm I'm six six you know two hundred something I'm, I'm I have a rocket arm you know let me let me make sure people realize that um, and obviously you know guys like Tua who's who's injured aren't going to do anything as well so um, you know it's it's different for each player but I, obviously those top tier guys they're not going to risk it man there's too much on the line for them too much money on the line um, and it just doesn't make any sense. Jake, I want to get to a new report from ESPN's Jeff Darlington that came out this morning, and it regards Tom Brady and his future. Brady's going to be 43 next year. There are still no talks with renewing his contract in New England, and Darlington said today that he would be, I can't remember if he said he would be stunned or he'd be shocked. It was one of the two, and they you know, mean basically the same thing. It would be one or the other that he would be stunned or shocked if Tom Brady went back to New England next year. So now we're starting to be uh, faced with the real possibility maybe it could happen. As hard as it is to imagine, Tom Brady could play somewhere else next year. We saw a different report come out that said Philip Rivers could be on his way to Indianapolis. Now that was where I thought Brady should go. I thought that would be the team that would give him the best chance for success here at age 43. But if Rivers goes there, I think it could be a pretty good fit for him as well. I don't know where I could see Tom Brady playing next year. To me, I think the next best option, if Indianapolis really is Phillip Rivers' destination, I think the next, uh, next best option for Brady would be Las Vegas to play for the Raiders. Although, I don't know how much of an upgrade that is over Derek Carr, a 43-year-old Tom Brady over Derek Carr. Do you agree, disagree, or where would you like to see Brady go next year if he's not coming back to New England? Right, and and I'm with you, man. It, it, it's hard to picture Tom Brady in a, another jersey other than the New England jersey. But um, Las Vegas definitely is an interesting one, just because um, you know they're moving into it. Obviously, they're they're moving from Oakland to Las Vegas into a brand new stadium. Um, they've been slowly building a roster there with Mike Mayock and and um, John Gruden, and um, you know. I think back to when Green Bay played Oakland. They had a really good game against Green Bay. The only reason they lost the game was because of Derek Carr fumbling on on the goal line. So, and 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 obviously, there's been multiple multiple reports of John Gruden being interested in other quarterbacks. So, it's 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 clear as day that he's not 100% sold on Derek Carr. So, 
Tom Brady going to Las Vegas, I think it'll sell tickets. It'll be, you know, the show that people want to see um, in, 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 in Sin City, in a town where there's just endless uh, amounts of entertainment. they got to somehow bring fans in. So it makes sense. Uh, but that's not my first option. I think there's two other teams that I would love to see Tom Brady go to. The first team, I want to see. I just want to see it because it would just just be just crazy. I want to see. I would like to see Tom Brady go to the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. They got the roster. Um, obviously, with things with Dak haven't been going that smoothly. Um, Dak's a younger guy, and I get it. He's played. He played really well last year. But let's just say they can't come to an agreement or something, and they want to bring in Tom Brady. Tom Brady with Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones wants to make a splash, and and they feel like, hey, we got a really good offensive line. You know, it's not as good as it's been, but it's still really good. We got one of the best running backs in the league. We got a lot of young pieces on defense. Um, you know, we're going to add in the draft. Let's bring Tom Brady over and try to win this in the next two two years. You know what I mean? Um, so, and and then you know you're at, you're at Jerry World. It's it's America's team. You got Tom Brady wanting to prove things. You got Mike McCarthy there wanting to prove that maybe he wasn't the problem in Green Bay, or or he he isn't you know outdated. He he can still get it done as a head coach. So I think it would be fascinating to see. You know, as much as I don't want to hear about Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys every single day like mm-hmm. like last season, this will definitely make make them the top storyline in the NFL. But I would just think it would be fascinating to see him in Dallas. And then I think. The Tennessee Titans. I mean, they were knocking on the door of a Super Bowl this year. Like, you know, they got Mike Rabel has put it together a roster that, you know, that defense is nasty. They got Derrick Henry who will take the pressure off Tom Brady. And they got a lot of young receivers, you know, bona fide receivers, guys that can really stretch the field. And and then they can still rely on the defense. It's the team that knocked them out of the playoffs. Um, you know, if you can, it would be kind of weird to see Tom Brady go to the team that knocked him out of the playoffs, but... Um, they just have the roster. Those two rosters are really strong. I think those two teams make sense because um, it, it, they're they're right there. They're on the brink. They just need maybe so Tennessee more than Dallas. But you know, if you bring Tom Brady in there, bring that leadership, bring that you know re- respect and accountability for the other players. I don't think you know players are going to be kind of you know out of line with Tom Brady in the locker room. I think um, for a place like Dallas, who who's kind of dealt with you know, um, I guess. Not character issues, but just players holding holding each other accountable. I think bringing in a, a guy like Tom Brady would be would be huge for the locker room. And like I said, Tennessee's right there; they have a chance. Um, Tannehill played great. I get it, but if you have a an opportunity to bring in a guy with with experience who's who's done it many times before, who's considered the greatest of all time, I think Mike Vrabel, who who has obviously ties to New England and knows Tom Brady very well, um, I, I, you got to look into it. You got to see what's up. I tell you what, Jake, another team has entered potentially the Tom Brady sweepstakes, and that would be the New York Giants, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Dave Gettleman is on the hot seat. He knows he has to have a good season this year if he wants to save his job. So there are reports that the Giants are interested in players like Jadavian Clowney and potentially Tom Brady. Now, I don't know if that's the right move for them in the sense that I know Daniel Jones turned the ball over a lot last year. He put up a lot of good numbers as well. He set the franchise record for touchdown pass by a rookie and he did so playing 12 games so I know there were turnovers he's going to grow out of that the potential's there for Daniel Jones I don't want him to take a back seat to a 43 year old player who still doesn't have a whole heck of a lot around him and the thing for me is Jake not a knock against Tom Brady but father time is catching up with him I mean father time's undefeated do we really think that Tom Brady at age 43 when he's missing throws he should be making with Belichick will be better by subtracting the greatest coach of all time yeah i mean that's kind of the thing everyone's trying to figure out um like you said 
it's been a team effort there in New England with with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and and um, we've seen a little bit of decline. We've seen in the last few years, you know, time doesn't wait for anybody. And um, for me, the New York Giants, it, it just doesn't doesn't fit well in my head. Obviously, like you said, Daniel Jones is there. Do you want to bring in Tom Brady and kind of you know stunt his development a little bit, even though it could be could be good in the long run, you know, learning from a guy like Tom Brady who's, who's been successful in the league. But um, I just don't think they have the, the roster in place to where Tom Brady would want to go. And, and you know, I, I, I know Tom Brady, he's a competitor. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to show that he, he would love to, to end his career winning a Super Bowl, not in New England, to kind of, you know, put it in their face a little bit. He's that type of competitor, that type of person. And, um, you know, we've seen it in New England many times, even in the past few years, uh, where there was kind of been rumblings in the offseason where, you know, either Tom Brady's not happy or Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is, is kind of losing faith and thinking he should move on. We've seen it with the Jimmy Garoppolo saga, um, Belichick wanting to move on from Tom Brady and, and start things new with Jimmy G. So, um, getting back to your question, I'm, I'm up in the air right now. I, I do think Tom Brady has potentially, if he's put in the right situation, can manage a game. He's not going to win games for you anymore. He's not going to um, be able to, to put a team on his back and win games. He's kind of where Aaron is a little bit, uh, but maybe just a little farther down on the, you know, down the road. He's a game manager. He's going to make the the right reads. I think he still has a sharp mind, but it's the physical tools. You know, you're, he's going to have to like do like a West Coast office, ding and dunk. You know, it's going to be a lot of plays to get down the field. Definitely lean on the run game wherever he's at. So, um, you know, New York has Saquon, but other than that, it's been a dysfunctional franchise. The defense has been absolutely terrible. The offensive line has almost gotten their quarterbacks, you know, killed in games. So for Tom Brady, that just doesn't make any sense. I don't know why he would even think about it when you got other options. Um, it just doesn't. I just, I just don't see it. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Before we hit the break, Jake, last thing. I mentioned the report of Phillip Rivers potentially going to Indianapolis. You like that move or not here before we hit the break? I do like that move. Um, you know, Indianapolis is one of those teams where they, they got the pieces in place. They just ha- they just need to find a, a, a decent quarterback. Jacoby Brissett was, was playing well. You know, injuries, history there, and, and consistency issues. And I know they, they want to find a better piece. But I, I do think it's a good fit. It's going to be indoors. Um, you know, Phillip Rivers, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, I think they, they have something there. They got the, the weapons. They got the offensive line. That defense has been playing better. So um, I think they could definitely make some noise uh, if they sign Phillip Rivers. I think, you know, with his experience and things like that, I, I don't mind that fit. I think they could, they could definitely do some damage. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Jake out of Local 3 joins us on the ESPN-UP phone line just across the bottom of the hour, so we'll take our next time out. When we come back, we got a lot of NBA, a lot of hoops to talk about here in the back half of the show next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. Glad that you're along. Here's your Sports Center update. Tim Tebow will play for the Philippines in the upcoming World Baseball Classic qualifying tournament. Do you know Tim Tebow was born in the Philippines, Jake? I didn't know that before he announced this yesterday, but he was born to Christian missionaries. They were out on a mission in the Philippines, and he moved to Jacksonville when he was three. I didn't know he was born there, but he's going to play for him in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of shocked uh, when I saw that. Um, I had no idea, but but... Does it surprise me? No, it doesn't. I mean, he wasn't going to make Team USA's roster, so why not? Right. I mean, Tim Tebow's always been a guy, you know, he, 
he hasn't taken the traditional path. He's been very successful. No, it hasn't been on the biggest stages. Obviously, um, the NFL didn't work out or anything like that. But you got to respect the guy's um, motivation and drive to just try to to figure things out. I mean, he went into the baseball route. Has been, you know, fighting, you know, down in the developmental leagues there. And and um, anytime he sees opportunity, the guy jumps on it. And um, you know, you got to respect the, the guy's hustle. He he has a grind and. And, um, you know, he, he does what he does. And, um, you know, anytime I see Tim Tebow in the news, it seems to be pretty positive. He's obviously been a guy that, you know, a lot of people have looked up to. So um, I'm, a, I'm a huge Tim Tebow fan. I'm rooting for him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, good for him. Elsewhere, tennis star Maria Sharapova has announced her retirement at the age of 32. That just makes me feel old, Jake. I feel sad reading that because she was such an icon growing up in the sport. You know, I was a big tennis player. I just feel old if we're at the point where Maria Sharapova is retiring. Yes, I don't. I don't want to hear about old coming <laughs> from you. Um, Maria Sharapova is around my age. She's a few years older than me, so um, I kind of grew up with with her. Uh, you know, obviously when she first kind of hit the tennis ranks, I was a little bit more in tennis back in the day. Uh, you know, I followed Rafael Nadal and, and guys, you know, he was just that Rafael Nadal was one of the, the guys that I was just a huge, just, just into for some reason and, and his matchups with Federer and things like that. But, um, honestly, Maria Sharapova was one of my, my first crushes that I had. Um, when you talk about like, just like watching an athlete, you know, we were around the same age, uh, when she busted on the, onto the seed, you know, I was just enthralled, you know, she was a great tennis player was you know making history and i was just like i was just so so just in, just in it you know what i mean you know you know how it is i know and, uh, i know what so, you mean so yeah man it was it's sad to see her go um you know she she had a pretty decent career i know she wasn't able to beat i, well, I think what was it serena williams beat her like 20 something times mm. she was only able to beat her twice throughout her career or something like that um so obviously that's kind of uh not the great thing in her career, but just looking back on it, she was a very accomplished player and, and, and things like that. And it's like you said, man, you know, you're feeling old. I'm feeling old <laughs> seeing that. So, um, you know, good for her. I'm glad she, you know, I hope she finds um, happiness and success um, in the next chapter of her life. And, and it was uh, it was fun to watch her play, man. And finally, Corona beer sales have plummeted in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, oh boy, Constellations Brand Incorporated. It shouldn't be tough to read. I've just made it tough. Constellations Brand Incorporated, the Corona parent company, have seen their stock dip by eight percent since the outbreak began, and their buzz rating fall from a seventy-five to a fifty-one. Even though the beverages have nothing to do with the virus, that is your Sports Center update. Uh, I know it just pains you that people can I, I, believe that. I just, I just. You know, as as speaking of age, as you get older, nothing surprises you. <laughs> just nothing surprises you. I just can't believe that. Um, that's that's unfortunate. I, I, I love Corona in line, so I'm mm-hmm. going to continue drinking my Corona. Well, yeah, we we know that it has nothing to do with the outbreak, or but it it's just it hurts your mind. It hurts your heart that people don't put that together. That the two don't correlate. Right, or is, or is it something like you know just an internet? Um, fad where it's like let's just not buy coronas because ha 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 jokingly it could give us the coronavirus so 
now people are in the store, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, it's the weekend. You're in there. You're trying to find a selection. You, you're wondering what you wanna, you wanna get for your, for your weekend. And, and you see the Corona, and you, your mind is like, I'm not gonna drink that. That's gonna cause the Corona. Just jokingly, you know what I mean? No, and, if you know that it's not gonna do it, you like Corona. You're gonna take it. I would hope so. You're but like, absolutely, give me the coronavirus. I just find it hard to believe that people would just not do their research and think that the coronavirus comes from coronas. It just, like, really, people, I don't know, man. That's, give me that's the IPA just, virus. I don't care. Either way. Exactly. I'm, I'm, <laughs> hey, if that's, if that's what it is, I'll, I'll take the chance. We have got a lot of basketball to get to here in the back end of our show. First and foremost, though, Jake, I've got our sound of the day for you. Uh, first, though, i got to ask you a trivia question because it pertains to our uh, our audio of the day, which I want to start getting into a more consistent rhythm of doing. First, though, uh, who is the quarterback, Jake? Who is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs? Is this a trick question? It is not a trick question. That would be Pat, Patty Mahomes. It is Pat Mahomes. About everyone in the world knows that. Like, not even football fans need to know that because he's become a household name after winning the Super Bowl. Almost everyone in the world could tell you who Pat Mahomes is. If not as an NFL player, then the guy who kind of talks like Kermit the Frog or the guy who loves ketchup. He's a very personable, interesting person. About the only person in the world who could not tell you who Pat Mahomes or tell you who the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs was is Chris Jericho. And this audio comes to us courtesy of the Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gotts. They're on here from 10 to 1 every weekday. Last night, Chris Jericho was at a wrestling event in Kansas City, and he was the heel. And you know, Jake, whenever there's a heel in uh, pro wrestling, there's somebody who riles up the crowd. They're the bad guy. They play the villain role. And Jericho started taking a few shots at the Kansas City crowd that was there trying to get him riled up. And listen to what he had to say in regards to the city's quarterback. Hey, you know what else? You know what else? Aaron Mahomes is a piece of Aaron Mahomes. Aaron Mahomes is who he thought the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback was. Listen, Chris Jericho, he's made a really good living <laughs> off of being an entertainer. Um, you know, obviously he was a superstar in the W. Uh, you know, in, in the Wrestling Federation, with WWF at the time. Now, what is it? WWE? I have I, I don't no idea anymore. anymore. Um, I, I, I stopped when Stone Cold and The Rock uh, decided to hang it up. But um, oh, I just feel like that he, he's just playing the crowd. You know, he's an entertainer. It's Chris Jericho. What's the one thing that's going to get Kansas City people riled up right now? Yeah, but do we think that up? he actually didn't know Pat Mahomes' name wasn't Aaron? I I find it hard to believe that he didn't know. I feel like he did it on purpose. Aaron Mahomes? Aaron Mahomes. Patrick Brady? Tom Rogers? Like what? I, I have to believe this was a planned thing that he went in there. He's like, I, I got to say something. What should I go for? What, you know, if, it's, if you're not going to, you know, if you're not making fun of Kansas City barbecue, what's the next best thing <laughs> that's going to get these people riled up? And that is their quarterback of the, the their team who just won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, Aaron Mahomes, uh, you know, that's the way to go. I, I got to believe this was planned, and it, I think it's just a genius thing on his part. Tell you what, we've got some basketball here to get to before we run out of time. So, Jake, I want to talk to you about something that I really like to talk about first and foremost, and that would be 
man, the Boston Celtics might really have something here with Jason Tatum. Will Kane, before we took the air, was talking about his top five players under the age of 21, or at least 21 years old or younger. I think he put together a really good list. So I want to mix and match with you, Jake, because I want to see which player you would take over another and get a little comparison out of you. If you were starting a franchise with one of these young guns, these young assassins, which would it be? You know, if you had your choice of John Morant, who likely is going to win Rookie of the Year this year, or Trey Young, which of those two would you pick to build your franchise around? Out of those two, um, that's kind of a toss-up to me. I'm going to go Trey Young. Okay. Um, you know, obviously they're they're two really good players, but I like Trey Young, Young's game a little bit more. He's he's more of a Steph Curry type. It's harder to find guys like that. John Morant's really good. He's a slasher, hyper athletic. But I feel like I could I could find a guy like that easier than finding a guy like a Trey Young who's just a lethal shooter, can pull it from anywhere, and um, like I said, has that Steph Curry-esque quality about him. How about Jason Tatum or Zion Williamson? Right, I mean, right now, today, I'm going to go Jason Tatum. Um, I got to witness Jason Tatum play live um, a couple of years ago. I think it was his rookie season. It might have been his rookie season. Um, yeah, it probably was. And he was unbelievable. I think he had 30-something in the game. And I was I left there just shocked. You know, he, he kind of patterns his game around Kobe Bryant, has a lot of those attributes about him, plays – plays a lot like him so um zion great player unique type of player um like i'm still not sold i gotta see him stay healthy through a full season and and i still think he has um, some weight issues he's battling and and who knows how long his knees are going to hold up so right now i gotta go jason tatum just because um he's he's looking like a legit superstar in the making all right so you have jason tatum who i i am in love with right now because he's averaging 31 points a game over the last 10 games he's shooting 50 percent from three i mean he's knocking down half of his threes in the last 10 games over the time which the celtics are eight and two and for me that's why i would put him above trey young because the difference between those two is the celtics are winning with uh, with Jason Tatum because of Jason Tatum and Atlanta's in last place. And I get the the surrounding cast is far different between Boston and Atlanta, but it, at last place for Atlanta and Trey Young, and that's not a knock against him, but Tatum to me just seems like a better finisher. Do you agree or disagree? I, I do agree. Obviously, uh, the the Boston franchise is a you know held to a higher standard. I think they. They kind of got a grasp on what they're trying to do a little bit more than Atlanta. Atlanta's kind of been in flux, and they've had guys come through there. And, and unfortunately for Trey Young, he's kind of um, trying to fight his way through what is a rebuild there. Um, you know where Boston's kind of further along, and they kind of got their core set in place. But I do agree, man. Um, Jason Tatum, you know, when he's in his zone, he's almost impossible to stop. He's almost impossible to stop. Not saying that Trey Young isn't, but um, I don't know, man. There's something about his game that I enjoy. He's a, he's a lethal shooter. Um, he, he seems to have that, you know, that mentality of, of he wants to, uh, that Mamba mentality, you know, he, he wants to bring it to you. And, and he does it without, it doesn't look like he's trying that hard. That's that's a crazy thing. And uh, I love what they got going there. I think Jalen Brown, as long as he stays consistent, he's another guy that, that's a young guy that they have. And, and you know, Boston is one of those teams. We see Milwaukee here having a, a quietly historic year, but, 
be afraid of Boston, especially if Jason Tatum gets that confidence and, and kind of just arrives, which I think he's well on his way. Um, once that happens and he, he becomes that undoubted leader of that squad, I mean, uh, man, it's going to be scary. Jake, real quick here because we're coming up on a break. I've got two questions left for you. I'll have you answer the first one quick because I want to spend more time on the second. Would you take Luka Doncic or Jason Tatum? I'm taking Luca all day. All right, I would too. I agree with that. So that's why I wanted to elaborate more on this one. If I threw in Zion with Jason Tatum, would you choose those two to build around or Luka Doncic? Uh, man, that's tough. Yeah. I I would have to go with the Tatum and Zion. Would you? You know, one-two comp. I, I would. I mean, Luca is going to be an amazing player. He's going to be a, a generational-type player. Um, Dallas hit a home run with that pick. Um, but if you're going to give me Jason Tatum, who I think is a superstar in itself, and then a guy like Zion, who has the potential to be, you're talking about, you know, you got your power forward, small forward in Zion, and then you got you got a shooting guard, a guy who can handle the rock. So you're well on your way with two guys there. So um, if you want to add a little bit more juice to the to the equation, then I'll, I'll go Jason Tatum and Zion. Jake, uh, maybe the real last thing here before we hit the break and take our last time out. I still got to figure out who my next Celtics jersey is going to be since Kyrie Irving has left. I was thinking for a long time it was going to be Kemba Walker. Now I'm starting to think maybe I need to invest in Jason Tatum a little bit more. I know what do you what would you do if you were me? If I was you, I would have one already ordered. I'd have a green <laughs> one coming, a white one coming. I'd even get one of those alternate green ones with the gold letters. Oh, but my favorite are the black ones. The black ones are sick. Those are my I, favorites. I really do like. Yeah, I do like the black ones. I, w- I would definitely, if I was a player on that team, be kind of pushing those jerseys more. But um, definitely Jason Tatum's the future. Um, if you're the Lakers, you got to be kicking yourself. Yeah. You know, in this, the Sixers, too. Right now? The Sixers exactly. thought Markel Fultz was the final piece of the process. Right, right. But we, we expect that of the Sixers. I mean, yeah, LA, that's true. Could you imagine, just right now, LeBron... I mean, would I, I guess, would Jason Tatum still be there if LeBron and AD were there? I or would AD have Tatum. even come if Tatum right. was there? It would be a little bit there. So I guess I can't say that, but the potential of just thinking of those three together just kind of blows my mind, and that would be absolutely insane to see those three play together. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our last time out when we come back. This week has been about Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna. Looking back on his legacy, I know I'm a couple of days behind this because I've been out of the office a couple of days. Looking back on his legacy, let's look at the 12 players drafted ahead of him. Where are they now? And can you make a case for any of them being taken ahead of Kobe next on ESPN-UP? Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to Andrew Hoops. Jake Durant with you. Glad you're with us as always. Don't forget tonight on ESPN-UP, Westwood Patriot Girls Basketball. I'll be there at the play-by-play as Westwood welcomes Gwynn. A lot of conference implications on the line. Westwood can win both the Westpac and the Midpen outright with a victory this evening on their senior night. Tell you what, on ESPN uh, ESPN 2 on the television side, we have a good one in the Big Ten that's going to pertain to a lot of our listeners with Wisconsin visiting number 19 Michigan. Jake, are the Wolverines for real? I mean, like, literally help me out, because some weeks they're ranked, some weeks they're not, some weeks they're beating top ten teams, and some teams are, uh, some weeks they're losing teams with ten wins. Like, are the Wolverines for real? Uh, man, I, it's hard for me to kind of put my, my finger on this team, because, like you said, they, they had a great start to the season, then all of a sudden they had this weird just winning streak and weren't playing good. I think it has to do with with health of Isaiah Livers. You know, when he was out of the lineup, they played terrible. When he comes back in, they're a good team again, and they're winning games. So are they for real? As a Michigan fan, I'd like to think so, but 
you know, they're they're one injury uh, injury away from you know potentially you know losing. And, and like you said, the the Big Ten this year has been crazy. Teams are just beating up on each other and things like that. But um, are they for real? Do they have a shot at going far in the in the postseason? I don't I don't know, man. I don't think so. I think you know I think they could they can make some noise and make a, make a little bit of a run. But are they one of the top teams in the nation? tough for me to say, man. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Before we run out of time here, this week has been dedicated to Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Of course, uh, they had the celebration of life for them at the Staples Center on Monday, and there was just so much uh, little subtleties dedicated to them. There was uh, the exact number of roses for every point Kobe scored as a pro. The stage was 24 feet by 24 feet. You know, everything was just, it had a meaning, what have you. And I know we're a couple of days behind this because I've been out of the office here, but I wanted to get to this because I thought it was really interesting, and we may not get to spend a lot of time on it, Jake. But back in 1996, Kobe Bryant was drafted 13th overall. I've got in front of me a list of the 12 guys who were drafted in front of him, I don't know that you can really say that any of them should have been picked above Kobe Bryant, Jake. When now that we have hindsight and it's 2020, but you tell me, would you have been at least okay with having this player ahead of Kobe, or is it at least uh, it justifiable? Is there a case to be made for it? Let's go through the list because at number one, we have a young man from Georgetown named Allen Iverson. That's one of the more interesting ones on this list. Yeah, I mean, Allen Iverson growing up, he was he was a guy that I I looked up to and he had the heart of a champion, you know, he wasn't big in stature, but but he really brought it on any given night. I mean, I could I you could potentially make an argument to me that that you could choose Allen Iverson. Now, now do I think Allen Iverson overall is a better player than Kobe? No, but would I feel bad if taking Allen Iverson before Kobe? I mean, not really. I would be like, "All right, well, we didn't get this generational type player, but we got a really, really good Hall of Fame player. So I wouldn't feel too sad taking AI over Kobe, but I would still say Kobe's a better player, obviously. With the number two overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft, selected 11 spots ahead of Kobe Bryant, was Marcus Camby, a guy who had a long NBA career, was not the offensive player Kobe was, but he certainly was one of the better defensive players of that generation. Yeah, Marcus Camby. Um, I guess if if your team, uh, defensive team need, uh, if that's a big in your priority list, that would have been a good pick. But you can't really argue Marcus Camby is a better pick than Kobe Bryant. I'm sorry, um, Kobe Bryant and Myers is is the second best player to ever play the game, and and uh, Marcus Camby, he was pretty good, did what he had to do, but he was definitely not Kobe, not a guy who brought you know five championships to a uh, franchise or. Um, or, you know, one scoring titles, one MVPs, and things like that. So, no, I, I, I have to take Kobe on that one. Number three overall pick was is actually right now the current G League president, Shareem Abdul-Rahim. He was taken out of Cal Berkeley, went to Vancouver, and they were an obscure franchise then. He scored 20 points a game, five of his first six years, but then he kind of went into obscurity. Yeah, I remember him a little bit just growing up. Uh, he, was, he was a decent player, but... No, I mean, obviously he had a, he had a pretty decent career and is is doing well outside of basketball. But um, I'm taking Kobe over him every day. I'm sorry. Number four out of the 1996 draft class. This one's an interesting one. Stephon Marbury, because he was up there in that upper echelon of basketball for a little bit, albeit probably not as long as he should have been. Yeah, Stephon Marbury. Um, he had his run in the NBA where he was one of the top guys and things like that. Unfortunately. Um, 
other things I would say off the court kind of got in his way and and obviously he became he, he left the NBA and went over to China and became a legend over there so um Stephon Marbury I mean he he was a very influential player to a lot of kids in the New York City area and things like that and he and he had a pretty good career when the going was good um uh, but obviously the, with the longevity thing and obviously him not finishing out his career in the NBA um you got to give the nod to Kobe Kobe is king Here's a really interesting one, maybe a tough one. Ray Allen went number five overall. Maybe one of the best shooters, well, certainly one of the best shooters all time, depending where you really want to put him. Yeah. Um, Ray Allen stacks up a little bit a little bit better with Kobe just because he, he was pieces to championship teams, and, you know, he won multiple championships. And like you said, he was, he was the Splash Bros, you know, one half of the Splash Bros before the Splash Brothers were a thing. So, um you could make an argument to me that that Ray Allen was a better pick than Kobe Bryant, although I'm not going to believe you because Kobe is, you know, Kobe's Kobe. So, um, like I said, that wouldn't be one of those things if I was a GM. Looking back now, if I chose Ray Allen over Kobe, I wouldn't feel I, – I would sleep good at – I would still sleep good at night. Um, but still at the same time, I would, I would wonder what if. Jake, in the interest of time, I'm going to lump a few of these together because I don't know that we get deeper in this list. There's going to be anybody that we can make the case for over Kobe. Number six was Antoine Walker. At number seven was Lorenzen Wright. Number eight, Kerry Kittles out of Villanova. And then at number nine was was Samaki Walker of Louisville. I mean, they, they those are all really good role players. I mean, you know, they, those were guys that... that in their their heyday and their primes were very productive solid players for teams um obviously i just remember antoine walker and paul pierce just off the top of my head there in boston that was a really uh deadly duo there but um none of those guys even stack up close man not even close to kobe like i said kobe you could argue kobe is the best player to ever play the game um you're talking about guys with like michael jordan and things like that so um no disrespect to any of those names all of those guys have at least had solid careers. You're just not you're not coming into that atmosphere with Kobe. Kobe is on a whole nother level. The uh, last three here, ten, eleven, and twelve, were Todd Fuller, uh, Vitali Potapenko, Eric Dampier. I mean, could you imagine being the GM who had to explain why you picked Todd Fuller over Kobe Bryant? Yeah, I have no idea who those first two guys were. I know Eric Dampier <laughs> a little bit. I, I remember watching him get posterized a couple times. I think he played with Dallas at the time. Um, I do remember that. But um, other than that, yeah, those are, those are moves that are caused for firings there. Um, that That's just not good. And, and that's the thing about the NBA draft. You know, you do miss. You talk about the Lakers missing on Jason Tatum. Let's, let's hope that's not the similar situation on, on teams passing up on Kobe. Jake Durant with us on the ESPN-UP phone line. He's at a local three, and again, he'll be live here in a little over an hour from the Barry Vent Center at halftime of the NMU women's game against Tech. Appreciate you being with us, my man. I know you couldn't be here, so thank you for taking the time being on air with us. Anything else you want to plug coming up at local three? Uh, you know, we're just uh, we're excited about the, about this weekend with NMU Tech, obviously, starting tonight with the men and women's basketball teams going up against each other. Uh, we'll be at the game, the hockey game tomorrow between NMU and Tech, and I'll be up in Houghton on Saturday night. Um, just tune in if, you, if you're sitting at home and want to tune in and, and, and see what we got going on. We, we're always trying to bring some really good coverage, and we got the sports zone on Wednesday night. It's a really unique high school sports zone show. If you haven't seen that, tune in and, and, and have some fun with us. So other than that, man, we're just plugging through. 
That's it for us here at ESPN-UP. Glad to be back, and I'll be back tomorrow for Eastern 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.